Hi, I hope you're all doing well. Um, as, as Luke said, my name's James. I am an intern here, and it really is a privilege to be with you this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, would you mind opening up to James 3? That's where we'll be. But um, I'm going to pray first, and uh, we'll go from there. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are a giver of good gifts. We thank you for the gift of community, that we can be together, that we can sing praise to you, that we can acknowledge your goodness and faithfulness in our lives. Lord, we thank you that we can serve, that we can love others through the gifts and talents and time that you've given us. And so, Lord, I do pray that as we reflect on your word, as we sit and hear your word preached, that you'd work in our heart. And uh, that you'd stir us to, to serve in Kids Rock, to serve the people around us for your glory and for the joy and peace of this community. And Lord, this morning we pray for your word. We pray that you would speak to us and that our hearts would be open to hear for your glory and for our wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. What is the good life? That's the question that's before us today in James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. What is the good life? It's a question that we've each grown up with, unconsciously at first, but nevertheless there, answered for us as we watched our parents, as we watched their priorities, their choices, the things that they encouraged, the things that they opposed, the things that they said and did, and how closely their actions matched their words all answering this question, what is the good life? And then, as we get older, as we move into adulthood, it's a question that each of us has to wrestle with. We have to make those decisions about what our priorities will be. What about our choices, about the things we will pursue, about the things that we will reject, the things we say and do, and how closely what we say and do line up to each other. What is the good life? We all make decisions about the good life. The good life as we imagine it to be. The good life as the world defines it. The good life that we will pursue, whether consciously or unconsciously, as we live out the rest of our days. So what is the good life to you? Perhaps it's a stable life, with a loving family, financial security, and a safe, quiet place to live. Perhaps it's a successful life with a thriving career that affords you the status, recognition, and comfort you think you deserve. Perhaps it's something else. Perhaps after years and years of pursuing this ideal good life, you've become disillusioned and frustrated. The good life has become something elusive, something haunting, something that we pursue but seem unable to attain. Perhaps the good life for you has become, as Ecclesiastes puts it, like chasing after the wind. What is the good life to you? Now, our passage this morning frames this question about the good life in terms of a choice. It's a choice between two distinct paths, a choice between two differing roads. It's a choice between two ways to live. The good life, according to James in our passage, is a choice between two ways to live. And these two ways to live arise out of two kinds of wisdom. 
Now, this idea is littered throughout the scriptures. It's a familiar picture in the Bible as old as the Garden of Eden. And significantly, it's captured afresh in the words of Jesus at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 7, Jesus speaks of two kinds of wisdom. The wisdom that builds life on the rock versus the wisdom that builds life on the sand. And in this context of speaking about two kinds of wisdom, Jesus uses the picture of two distinct paths. He says this in Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Here, Jesus pictures two distinct paths with two distinct gates, a wide gate and a small gate. Two distinct paths with two distinct roads, a broad road and a narrow road. Two distinct paths with two distinct kinds of wisdom, but only one leads to life. The other, for all of its promises, for all of its allure, for all of its desirability, even though it might be called the good life by many others, in truth only leads to destruction and death. So Jesus says, choose well, choose wisely. Choose the narrow gate, and by doing so, choose life. Two ways to live. Now, the same warning and the same invitation to choose well is what James sets before us this morning in our passage. So would you look with me at James chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is God's word to us this morning. Firstly, will you note with me in this passage that James reminds us that we have to choose which wisdom we will follow that we have to decide which path we will take. That question in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you, is really an invitation. In asking the question, James is inviting us to reflect on our own lives, to do some self-assessment, to do some self-examination, to ask the question, does the way I live my life in other words, does the way I spend my money and my time, the way I treat the people around me or who are different from me, the way I view and obey God's word, does the way I live my life reflect the wisdom and understanding of a follower of Jesus or not? Who is wise and understanding among you? James is inviting us to reflect on our own lives, but on top of that, he's also inviting us to choose. In this passage, James lays before us two different kinds of wisdom, 
two distinct paths, two ways to live your life. And he invites us to choose. He invites us to choose from one of these two kinds of wisdom. And what he's doing here is reminding us of the same biblical truth that we looked at in Matthew 7. He reminds us that in this world, although it may take many forms, in reality, there's only one of two ways to live. Only one of two kinds of wisdom. And James breaks down these two kinds of wisdom in terms of their origin, where they come from, as well as their nature, what they look like. On the one hand, do you see in verse 17 that there is wisdom that comes from heaven? Literally, it says the wisdom that comes from above. It's the wisdom of God. On the other hand, if you look in verse 15, there is wisdom that does not come from heaven. Rather, it's wisdom that is earthly and unspiritual. In other words, it's natural and worldly. Two kinds of wisdom in our passage. Two ways to live. The wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world. And as James breaks down these two kinds of wisdom, he calls us to decide, he calls us to discern, and he calls us to choose which wisdom we will follow. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life. Secondly, will you note with me that James reminds us in our passage that our choice about which wisdom we follow matters. Our choice matters because the wisdom that we choose to follow will produce a certain way of life. Each kind of wisdom, the wisdom of God or the wisdom of the world, gives rise and finds expression in a certain way of life. The wisdom you choose to follow will produce fruit in your life. Another way of saying this is how we think will affect how we live. What wisdom we choose to follow will affect the way that we live out our lives. And with that in mind, let's look at the two kinds of wisdom in James chapter 3 together. Firstly, there is the wisdom from below. Would you look again with me at James chapter 3 verses 14 to 16? But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Wisdom from below. Now what characterizes this kind of wisdom according to James? Wisdom from below is characterized by bitter envy and selfish ambition, bitter envy and selfish ambition. Firstly, wisdom from below is categorized, is characterized by bitter envy. It's captured in the phrase, I want what you have. But I think it's more than that. It's that feeling deep down, it's that heart that says, I am unhappy because you have what I want. I am unhappy because you have the job that I want. I am resentful because you have the marks that I want. I feel inferior because you have the gifts, talents, and abilities that I want. I'm bitter because you have the perfect relationship, the perfect well-behaved kids, the perfect balance between work and family and me time. I'm unhappy because you have the life that I want, 
but don't have. Wisdom from below is characterized by bitter envy. And secondly, wisdom from below is characterized by selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. It's the pursuit of what I want my own way for my own benefit. It's the desire to achieve. It's the drive to succeed. It's the determination to get what I want or what I think I deserve. But it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about what I want and what I don't want. It's all about what I have and what I don't have. It's all about what's best for me. It's I'm at the center of my world and God and others, well, they're only used for my benefit. And if not, well, we can toss them to the side. It's all about me. Wisdom from below is characterized by bitter envy and selfish ambition. And in our passage, what flows out of this way of thinking, according to James? Do you see it there in verse 14? What flows out of this way of thinking is boasting and lying. Boasting. Boasting about what I have. My sporting achievements. My <laughs> boasting about what I've done. My sporting achievements. My successful career. My lucrative business ventures. Boasting about what I have. My satisfying job. My beautiful house. My thriving family. Gloating about who I am. My brilliant intellect, my financial know-how, my impeccable taste. It's all big talk. Always bragging, always comparing, always trying to one-up the next person. It's the language in which the word I occurs an awful lot. And the word you is only ever used to put someone else down. To boast is to project an image of yourself. An image that you want others to see. An image that you want others to envy. But do you notice what James says? He says that for all this boasting, it actually denies the truth. In other words, it's boasting, but it's not a realistic assessment of yourself. It's you as you want to be seen, as you like to be seen, as you project yourself to be. It's the edited, touched up, idealized version of you, but it's not the true you. That's the wisdom from below. That's the wisdom of the world that tells us to present ourselves in the best possible way so that everyone will think the best about us, even when it's not entirely true. But the problem about this context is that it means you can never talk about sin. It means that you can never admit that you're wrong. It means that you can never admit that you're weak. You can never show people who you really are. All you have to do is boast and lie. The wisdom from below. Lastly, according to James, where does this kind of wisdom lead? It leads, in verse 16, to disorder and every evil practice. The wisdom from below is characterized by bitter envy and selfish ambition, and this leads to a life that, according to James, is disorderly. In other words, it's a way of life that is not according to God's design. In fact, it's the very opposite of what God designed the world to be. It's a way of life that doesn't bring God's peace or God's holiness or God's order into the world. Rather, it's a way of life that brings strife 
in your relationships, disorder into your communities, and every evil practice. The wisdom from below. Before we continue, I'd like to point out one more thing about this kind of wisdom. What I would like you to see is that at the core of this kind of wisdom is discontentment. Wisdom from below is a way of thinking, a way of looking at the world, a way of living your life that stems from being discontent. It's a way of life that is discontent with what I have, so I always want more. It's a way of life that is discontent with who I am, so I always want to be more. It's a way of life that is fundamentally discontent with life itself. Now let's contrast this kind of wisdom, this wisdom from below, with wisdom from above, or what the NIV calls the wisdom that comes from heaven. Would you look with me again in your Bibles at verse 13 and verses 17 to 18? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Wisdom from above. Now, what characterizes this kind of wisdom? Well, according to James, this kind of wisdom is not bitterly envious. Wisdom from above is not selfishly ambitious. Wisdom from above is not boastful or deceptive, no. Wisdom here, wisdom from above is characterized by humility in verse 13. Humility, a healthy, realistic understanding of who you are. An awareness of the gifts, that the gifts, all the gifts that God has given us, that we are still finite, fallen, and broken people in need of grace and mercy. It's a recognition of our own unworthiness before our holy God. Humility acknowledges that God is God and we are not. That God alone is all-knowing and we are not. That God alone is all-powerful and we are not. And that God alone is worthy of all praise and honor and glory, and we are not. Humility is not self-centered, it's self-effacing. It's teachable, it's unpretending, and it doesn't take itself too seriously. Wisdom from above is characterized by humility. And secondly, wisdom from above is characterized by purity in verse 17. The wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. It's a way of life that is blameless, that is above reproach, that is clean. It's a way of life that is unstained by the world. It's pure in its thoughts and words and actions. That doesn't mean you never sin. It rather means that your heart is undivided in its worship. It's a way of life that is purely for God and modeled after God's own wisdom and ways. And do you notice that this kind of wisdom is first of all pure, that purity is primary, and that out of this undivided heart, out of this unstained life, 
out of this purity flows a way of life that is peace-loving, that is considerate, that means it's other-person-centered. It's, it's submissive. In other words, it's open to reason. It's full of mercy and kindness rather than full of greed and selfishness. It's full of good fruit, impartial, fair, just, and lastly, sincere, which is the very opposite of being a hypocrite. Eugene Peterson, in his paraphrase, says it this way. I don't have it. <laughs> I, I must have cancelled it out. He says it this way. In terms of being full of love, full of peace, and impartial and fair, ultimately, this kind of wisdom is a picture of love. It's pure, it's honest, it's humble love. It's a way of life that's not perfect, that's not faultless, that's not sinless. But oh, how different it is from the wisdom which is full of envy, selfishness, and discontentment. Wisdom from above is characterized by humility, purity, and love for others. And where does this kind of wisdom lead, according to James? It leads in verse 18 to peace and righteousness. It leads to a way of life that is peace-loving. Now that word peace there is not, does not mean the cessation of violence. Rather, it's a word found throughout the scriptures for shalom. It means wholeness, completeness, rest, the way God designed the, the world to be. Wisdom from above leads to a way of life that is peace-loving. Secondly, wisdom from above leads to a way of life that is peace-making. In other words, it's a way of life that brings God's peace into our world's strife, that brings God's order into our world's disorder, and that brings God's righteousness to our world's evil and sin. Wisdom from above. So here we have it. James reminds us that there are two kinds of wisdom, two distinct paths, two ways to live and each is called the good life. He reminds us that the wisdom that we choose to follow will produce a certain way of life, a way of thinking, a way of acting. And so he invites us to choose. Lastly, looking at these two wisdoms, these two kinds of wisdom, James gives us his evaluation of each. Do you notice that there is one kind of wisdom that is constantly spoken of in negative terms? The wisdom from below is characterized not just by envy, but by bitter envy. Not just by ambition, but by selfish ambition. It's wisdom that denies the truth. Do you see how James describes this wisdom from below in verse 15? Such wisdom does not come down from heaven. Rather, it's earthly, bound to this world without reference to God. It's unspiritual. In other words, it's natural disconnected from the life of the Spirit. And lastly, this wisdom from below is demonic. It's demonic because it's, it's the way of thinking that Satan let loose in the garden. It's a way of thinking that looks at the world not as a servant but as a master, which looks at material things not as good things which can serve others, but as things that should rule over us. 
which looks at God and says, I know better. I can do better. According to James, this wisdom from below is earthly, spiritual, and inspired by hell itself. Now contrast this with how James describes this wisdom from above. Notice how he speaks about it. It's constantly spoken of in in positive terms. It's humble, it's pure, it's righteous. It's wisdom that comes from above. That phrase from above actually comes from James chapter 1, verse 16, which we read a few months ago. I wonder if you remember what it says. In chapter 1, verse 16, James says that, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It's the same language used here to describe this kind of wisdom. It's wisdom that comes from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change, who chose to give us birth through the word of truth. According to James, this kind of wisdom comes from God as a gift to us. So there we have it. Two kinds of wisdom in James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18. One from below that comes out of our heads, that is ruled and shaped by the pattern of our world. The other, that comes out of the very wisdom of God as a gift to us. Two kinds of wisdom. But James does not want us to be in doubt about which is the better of the two. Although the world might shout loudly and call us to follow its way, James reminds us that the only way that leads to the good life The only way that it is the good life is God's way. So he says, choose to follow this wisdom from above. And by doing so, choose the good life. To conclude, I think there is one last important question that we should ask as we reflect on our passage together. The question that we should ask is, how can I share in this good life? And James has an answer for us in this passage. It's one that he has stressed again and again throughout his letter. Will you note something striking about what we've just read? What's striking is that the good life here is not defined in terms of things. It's not about stuff. It's not about what you have or don't have. No. The good life in James, indeed the good life in the whole of the Bible, is all about character what the Bible calls the heart. The good, li- the good life is about what's in your heart that then flows out into the way that you live, particularly in the way that you love and treat other people. A heart that is humble, pure, and at peace leads to a life that is humble, pure, and at peace with others. The good life is all about your heart. And this means that to have the good life, to live the good life, you have to be changed from the inside. Your heart has to be changed. But this is something that we cannot do. Only God can do it. Left to ourselves, we will always follow the wisdom from below, the wisdom of the world. But we don't have to be left to ourselves. For God is the giver of good gifts. And he can and he does give us new hearts, new birth, and new lives by his word of truth. The gospel of Jesus who bled and died for our sins and then rose again that we might live new, free, 
joy-filled lives. True wisdom comes from God as a gift. And if you ask him for it, he'll happily give it to you. Will you pray with me? And as I do, maybe the band can come up. Lord, as we look at your word, as we reflect on James, these words humble us because they hold up the mirror and they show us how easily we can drift and turn our backs on that wisdom which you give. How easily, Lord, are we ruled by the wisdom of this world? And so we ask that you forgive us. Where we've been drifting, where we've been caught up in this world, where we've been discontented, where we've been selfish and ambitious, where we've been envious with all that that leads to. Would you have mercy on us, Lord? Would you put your spirit in us? Would you lead us to the good life in your wisdom? Maybe for some of us for the very first time. And for those of us who trust, who trust in your name as Lord, will you help us to be wise, to choose well, and to live lives that are glorifying to you and good for us. For your name's sake. Amen.